what underpins that is often a very deep psychic injury to them yeah. that is causing them. Yeah. And in this day and age, it's a lot of it tied to uh, existential crisis of white men. That's right. I mean, that's even look at mass shooters. That's who they be. They're like, well, really kind of feel bad that I don't have unlimited hegemony over the planet now. <laughs> and Feeling uh, kind of insecure, may delete yeah, later. Yeah. Hi, and welcome to Gen X Temporaneous. This is a podcast where I come up with an idea, I do some research, I grab a bottle of wine, I bring everything to Mark, and he pontificates. This is the final episode in a three-episode arc about the crowd, groupthink, and how those factors, along with catastrophic or otherwise hurtful psychological events, can lead to outbreaks of what has popularly been referred to as mass hysteria. Tonight, Mark and I are going to discuss how mass hysteria has looked through time, with special focus on the dancing plagues that shook the European continent during the Middle Ages, the possible explanations for how that happens, and we are going to tie it all together with a discussion of how mass hysterical events may look today. We probably are going to provoke someone into a fit of outrage with this episode, but we got our sensitivity chips late in life and we're still trying to get them out of the child-proof packaging. Hi, Mark Snedeker. Hello, Christina LaRusso. That was a very quality introduction. (laughs) Thank you. I will say one, no, two things. We finally have some wine. Christina did technically bring it, (laughs) although she gifted it to me after her trip to Canada. So uh, I sort of provided it, but we'll give her credit for that. Yeah. And is three a crowd? I was having this conversation this morning, as a matter of fact. And yes, I think that you can get down to a very small level where you are in crowd groupthink. Mozart, go lay down somewhere else. <laughs> we can't have a crowd in here because we're talking about crowds. Yep, yep, would, we it sure would are. Affect our objectivity. Okay, so tonight this is the culmination of months of research. Wow, the climax, as it were. <laughs> yes. So mass hysteria has been described as a concept that exists at the intersection between sociology and psychology because, okay. of course, it's dealing with people. Right, so you have enough people to be able to call it sociology, but it has to do with their state of mind, which is psychology. Yes. So, yes. therefore, can we call it psycho... Psychosociology? I mean, is that a thing? Psychosoci- psychosociological? Yeah, let's say that's it's a thing. It's a psychosociological. I mean, you pulled that off a little bit better than I did, where I just kind of went so <laughs> something. All right, let's do a hot take. What I want to know is, what do you know about dancing plagues? Like so little. Yeah, I basically I know that they existed and that people would just dance until to the point of injury. For some reason in my head, I always kind of pictured like the jitterbug. <laughs> I don't know what dance they were actually doing. I mean, for all I know, Not they were the doing like bug. the worm or something, right? <laughs> Which I can see after a while really takes a beating. Not, you, puts a beating yeah, on that your body. That would be really, yeah, if they were break dancing, oh, oh my, my God. God. So uh, that's all really all I know is that it kind of swept through Europe sometime in the Middle Ages. I don't really know much about it beyond that at all. Okay. What do you know about mass hysteria? Oh, well, that, uh, probably about as much. (laughs) I know that it exists. You know, the famous example that's always given is, of course, the Salem witch trials. Yes, yes. Where everybody just lost their fucking minds and, as a group, 
started behaving in very odd ways. It seemed to kind of just be a contagion. But that's really about all I know. I, I and I associated not only with the with the witch trials, but also with violent revolts and riots. You're right. Those are uh, moments of mass hysteria. But there have, have been other kinds of mass hysteria. For instance, after World War One, soldiers experienced, well, during World War One, and then subsequently soldiers experienced paralysis and blindness and muteness. Hysterical blindness. It was a, Right, it. right, yeah. exactly. And that was due to the tremendous amount of pressure that they were yeah. in. Look, if my choice was go back to the trenches or never see <laughs> again, <laughs> I might be inclined to say, you know what? I can't really see that great right now. In fact, not at all. One of You're right. And some of them would say they couldn't see and they couldn't see. And then, you know, after time, their sight came like, back. Yeah. Or, and some of them, I'm sure, were like, Oh, that kept him off the front? Yeah, uh, me neither. Total blank here. In in those days, the illness was, you know, like sort of paralysis or it was very obviously outward. Outwardly like, debilitating. Right. And then you would have later in other wars where there was at least as much or more trauma. Yeah. People then have different ways of expressing it. They don't necessarily go hysterically blind or, or have twitches and they can't walk. But they have other post-traumatic But they have things like disorders. stomach issues yeah. and trouble yeah. sleeping and things like that. Yeah. So as time has gone on, and we'll talk about that a little bit more as we, as we get Do through this Do you really think episode. there were worse wars than World War One? That's a real bad one. It's a bad one. But any of those wars where the technology had outpaced the tactics... Those are bad wars, and that goes right back to Revolutionary War. The the weaponry in Revolutionary War had outpaced the tactics. Right, which um, was march towards your enemy. <laughs> right, and then the other uh, Civil War, American yeah. Civil War, horrendous, oh, horrendous, carnage, Brutal. absolute carnage. Um, but then World War One, I, I really think, well, because that's how they all get bogged down in the trenches. Yeah. Because their t- tactics couldn't match up to what they were still trying to do, cavalry charges. Right. How'd that in, work into, out? Machine, machine gun fire. You got to be really fast. <laughs> like you need like shadow facts. I mean, it's the horse in order to make it through a cavalry think, charge. I, yeah, I don't know. No, I don't shadow think. facts. Trust me, he totally do it. So let's talk a little bit first about mass hysteria, just to give us a. An, uh, I think that most people hear that and kind of understand what it means. Right. But mm, it's do a tricky. It's a tricky concept because what does it's it? It's not really just. Mean? Every bad thing that happens in a crowd, right? There's a very specific psychological element to that, I presume. Yes. Can you tell us about that at well, some point, Dr. LaRusso? <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you about the articles that I've read. Okay, so uh, Professor Simon Wesley from King's College London in a seminal article notes that mass hysteria has been used to describe a wide variety of crazes, panics, and abnormal group beliefs, and so defining it is tricky. So here are his kind of key Oh, good. I love the definitions. That it is an outbreak of abnormal illness behavior that cannot be explained by physical disease. That it affects people who would not normally behave in this fashion. Right. Because if you always dance, (laughs) nobody's going to notice that you're having some kind of breakout. uh, Right. That it excludes symptoms deliberately provoked in groups gathered for that purpose. Such as when someone intentionally gathers a group of people and convinces them that they are collectively experiencing a psychological or physical. Like a Prince concert is not mass hysteria. No. You're supposed to dance. You're supposed to dance there, right? That it excludes collective manifestations used to 
obtain a state of satisfaction unavailable singly, such as fads, crazes, and riots. Well, so like eating goldfish, mm-hmm. stuffing each other into telephone booths, th- mm-hmm. shit like that. Yeah. So that to them is not a mass hysteria Correct. Or to this I would to agree. this person. Yeah. Well, ish. I, well, ish. And that the link between the individuals experiencing collective obsessional behavior must not be coincidental, meaning, for instance, that they are all part of the same close-knit community. It can't just be a coincidence that right. so-and-so in wherever and so-and-so in yeah, either, like somebody dudes. in Japan yeah. and somebody in America, yeah. and they both have it. Well, that's not a necessarily. Although now... With the internet. Well, you don't have to be contiguous in space. That's right. So this guy has all of those rules and everything. And some of them I agree with. And some of them I I think "Hmm, it's maybe a little bit too strict. I don't know. Like the fads, crazes, and riots thing. I think that fads and crazes can be hysterical events. They can be. Cabbage Patch Kids, right? Craze, not mass hysteria. Well, maybe. I don't know, maybe. Maybe a little hysteria regarding that because there are certain, in modern consumer culture, Christmas or otherwise hard to get things that seems to inspire people to behave very strangely and feel absolutely compelled to get this stupid fucking doll. Is it a, do you think it could be a temporal thing though? Is it still a mass hysteria if it's a really short amount of time, like a Christmas season? Yeah, I don't know. Or is it more of a mass hysteria when you're talking about something like Ray Dunn, where people are- The fuck is that? That's that, it's like housewares that you can buy from TJ Maxx of all places. And it's a very- Obviously I missed this fad. But anyway, it's something that a lot of women really are into- yeah. And they go to great lengths to secure it, including rushing stores as they open and they and they hoard it and they resell it. You know, I don't know. That's I mean, that's kind of like the tulip yeah. hysteria. A bubble. Right? Yeah, it's just a bubble. Is I, I mean that's an interesting question. Is a eco- economic bubble like tulip craze, real estate? We call boom. it a craze, right? So maybe I mean, it is that is mass hysteria. Mass hysteria. Because it I don't know. It feels like mass hysteria should be less easily explained. Well, let me say what psychologists call it. So that's Please. that Simon Wesley, but psychologists today define it as a condition affecting a group of persons characterized by excitement or anxiety, irrational behavior or beliefs, or inexplicable symptoms of illness. That's a definition I can work with. And so in fairness, I wanted to say that, you know, some people look at the term mass hysteria as this very complex issue. Right. But psychologists are boiling it down to something that's pretty clear, pretty concise, and gives you a lot of room for interpretation. So, of course, I want to take that one. Yeah, let's do that (laughs) one because then we can stretch it to fit whatever phenomenon we're thinking about. Well, so now there are some mass hysterias that have happened recently, like as in like the 1960s, there was this situation where in... Africa, some girls at a boarding school started laughing hysterically. They couldn't stop. And a bunch of people caught it to the point where they had to close the school down. For giggling. And for giggling. And then they sent the girls to their villages and one of the villages, others caught it. So this is, we're talking about social contagion here. You know, someone starts laughing hysterically in front of you. You're either going to be like, what the hell? Or you might start laughing with them. I mean, that happens, right? I mean, especially you see a lot in actors, right? Where they're, you know, they just catch the giggles. But these were catching the giggles in non-funny situations. In non-funny situations. This was just, they just had... Maybe life in Africa is just hilarious. 
interesting. <laughs> you don't know. So there's that. Then there's this, I think it's in China where there are certain times where the men come under tremendous stress. And I think it's around economics and they fear that their penises are shrinking into their bodies and they have this physical response where they go, they, they like grab onto them because they feel like it's shrinking back up in. I just checked. We're all good. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they run into the medical offices and they're like holding onto their penis to keep it from, keep it retracting, from retracting, into retracting into their body. Into their body. I feel like they don't know a lot about biology <laughs> or anatomy. Look. It may just be it's small, bro. <laughs> it's okay. No shame. Uh, well, some shame. No, possibly. Mark. What? Don't be mean. I'm body shaming a fellow man. You know. Oh, wow. <laughs> How embarrassing. Yeah, a little bit. Okay, so let's talk, though, about my historical example. And I've been wanting to talk about this. We did a poll on Twitter a while back where I asked people if they would be interested in hearing about historical things. And, and they said, everyone yes. who said no, you blocked immediately. <laughs> no. What I like to do is find a way to fit it into a bigger argument or story or right. whatever it is that we're, we're talking about. But let me start out by saying my source for this was fantastic. And if you are interested in this, I highly recommend it. It is called The Dancing Plague, The Strange True Story of an Extraordinary Illness by John Waller. And I will have, of course, all of my sources in the podcast details. I'm always interested in how people worked, how they thought, you know, right. what they... That's what you like. You like the slice of life yeah. information you get from historical data. So that's what this is. But it is also a psychological story. It is right. also a religious story, religious history story. That It packs a lot into a very readable historical treatment and of this And this is, subject. as you described before, the dancing... The dancing. Hysteria. So this is the dancing yeah. plague hysteria. Okay. Largely, this was isolated to the European continent in like the low countries and Germany. Uh, starting, I guess the earliest one was in 1021. And it went up until 1536 in, in Basel. So the last so one was So it's a five century mass hysteria. Was it five centuries? No. The first one happened. These are all discrete events. There are like well, so these are 15, repeated outbreaks. Fifteen over time. outbreaks. So these are like plagues. So as the plague would happen in one area and it would clear up, then it would go to another area and when it would clear up. So these dancing plagues happened throughout time. Can we just call it what it is? Hmm. Choreomania. It is choreomania. Yeah, you girl. gave that a goo. I did, but you know what? <laughs> so it's kind of if you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> a reverse footloose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's set the scene. We are in Strasbourg. Ah, yes. Right on uh, in Alsace-Lorraine. Yes. On the border of Germany and France. Yes, that is correct. They it have excellent, uh, like you can order dinner and you get like bratwurst and a croissant. Oh. All on the same plate. Wow. Yeah. July 14th, 1518 in Strasbourg. Now, the reason that we're using this case is because it is, because it is one of the most well-documented. There were a right. lot of chronicles written about it, and it was pretty hefty. Now, it was I've been one. to Strasbourg. Mm -hmm. so I saw no mention? dancing. All right. Well, Frau Trophius stepped out of her house and began to dance. She, she has my vote for Woman of the Year in Strasbourg 1518 or whatever the fuck it was. There, yeah, she was the first person to do this. There was no music playing and she showed no... Don't let that stop me. So she, why should she? She showed no outward signs of joy, but she was moving her arms and legs rapidly 
and her skirts were flying up around her. I don't feel like this is a very so, good dance. I think it was a lot of like hopping. Herky-jerky shit? And yeah, like her legs were just like kicking up. Now, and was she, she popping was and locking? No, I don't think that that's what they she was doing. All right, so she danced throughout the day and into the evening when she... She collapsed then, obviously. Clearly. Uh, and she'd been dancing all afternoon. <laughs> like, can you imagine? Didn't somebody say like, something to her? Well, her husband was like, what are you, you know, like, come on. Yeah. He tried to get her under control. I, might, I mean, and look. She, and he couldn't. And she just kept dancing and dancing. If that happened, let's say that, you know, we walk out of the house here this evening after <laughs> we record and you start breaking it down. First of all, I'm going to be into it for a little while, right? I might even join you. But if you continue on like for 45 minutes or so, I'm going to tackle you. I will take you down. Well, she was not to be taken down. She indeed danced throughout the day and into the evening. And then she collapsed into a brief sleep. And then she woke up in a few hours and started again. <laughs> you know what I thought of when you said she danced into the evening? <laughs> The Ghostbusters when they when they Ghostbusted at Studio Fifty Four and then stayed to dance the night away. So she just keeps on dancing. She's dancing through yeah. the night and into the next day. Dancing. So, so th- that dancing, was dancing. Dance the night away. So then on July sixteenth, her shoes soaked in blood. Now these are all details Jesus that were put Christ. into the into the chronicle. Look, I love dancing, but you know. You gotta have limits. She continued. I get one blister. I'm done. She continued her dance, but by now, people were getting curious, and so then they started kind of grouping around her and watching what was happening. Sure. So I mean, there's not a lot going on in medieval villages. Let's be honest. It's like, oh, we brought the crops in. We didn't die again this winter. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. What? Somebody's dancing outside of their hovel? (laughs) Let's go check it out. (laughs) What's going on? Can't her husband control her? No, evidently not. I mean, she's not very good, but (laughs) she she certainly is dedicated. Well, and her shoes are bloody, and by this time, she was so exhausted that her limbs, it was all very jerky. She wasn't really able to- Sound like she started off jerky. No. Well, she did, but it got now Jerkier. She's just like, she's just More and more jerky- by the minute. What do you think the at first the crowds thought was going on? This oh, is 15 easy easy demonic possession. Yes it is. It's of course it okay cuz we are right around the corner from from the Protestant Reformation, but these people are still profoundly Catholic. Their <laughs> Catholicism was pretty profound and advanced. Well, it's important to say <laughs> no, that. Yeah, it's yeah, important to note that. Yeah. Um however, they would have had inklings that there were things cuz Protestantism throughout that time was it would rise up and it wouldn't really take root because right. there was no printing press so that's yeah. you know longer and plus the church but. would savagely put down any kind of <laughs> uprising like that. yes they did there's a lot okay like i said they're very catholic at this time and their first go-to here was demonic possession however as time went on within this you know couple of days they determined it's not really demonic possession. What it is is God oh, and the saints. And she's speaking in breakdancing. In particular, she's being there. God is punishing her. Oh, mm-hmm. now I should note that during this time, not unlike now, I know that there are still some like dancing churches where you yeah. know they oh, get yeah. you know the, like, the yeah. spirit charismatic, and, 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 right? Uh, blah 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 blah. Okay, but in this time. Dancing was one of the ways that people did relieve some of the stress of their lives, and particularly around carnival time. That's why I'm would, always so chill. They would they would dance, and that was one of the fun things for them to do. However, there is also an understanding of a penitence 
like a, a penitent right. sort of like dance until you bleed. Right. Yeah. Right. So because there it's is like self-flagellation. It is. In a sense. Yeah. Right. So there is that. So keep keep that in mind because as we go forward we're going to talk a little bit more about why she By the way, why she made it. When I first heard did. the term when I was a kid, when I heard, first heard the term self-flagellation, I definitely didn't get it exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh, is that's what it's called." <laughs> oh, okay. Gross, Mark. So July 19th around July 19th to the 20th, she she was taken to a shrine a day's ride away, high up in the Vosges Mountains. Did, did they have a portable dance floor? <laughs> I mean, was she in the back of a, a wagon or something so she could continue the dancing? Well, by the time she's taken away... Or was away, she car dancing? Well, I don't know. you she know was, how that is. You she like, would have still been moving in the yeah, wagon. Yeah, rocking yeah. and rolling. Okay. Um, by, by, by the time they take her to the mountains to where there's a shrine, there are like multiple, 30 more people at least that had taken to dancing on the streets. Oh, yes. So they saw her, they watched her. They're like, I probably should get punished like that too. And then they probably went, oh, I, you know, I feel this. And it could be real. Like what she was doing is a prime to them, right? She's, she's acting out in this really wild way. Well, if you're someone who's on the verge of that anyway, for whatever reason, if you have had. Stressed out by the plague. For whatever, whatever you're stressed out about, you're more apt to go i need to do that too yeah because you're right on the verge of you have to do and you and you see like people who are psychologically distressed feel like they need to release it in some way by screaming or punching the wall or whatever this gives them a community shared way of acting out these aggressions in in late july further in july the panic had grown so great in the city that finally the magistrates in sort of mid to late July, they were like, we got oh, to do something. They were called the 21. So from now on, I'll be referring to them as the 21. They decided to meet on in late July to determine what, what on earth to do about this situ- did they situation. Have, did they have like a DJ? <laughs> <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, yeah. okay, what? who do you think they appealed to trying to deal with their... Oh, the church. Actually. Oh, well, actually, the local, the local uh, sheriff or Mm-mm. lord? No, the Physicians Guild. The guys who shave people and also sometimes cut them open. Okay, so <laughs> what you have to think about here is I've already told you that the people in the streets looking at them have it in their minds. This is a divine, this is right, divine right. retribution. So it's a little surprising they didn't exercise them. But the leaders of the city. Much more rational. Said, we're going to go to the doctors. Right. So they go to the physicians. Can you remove their dancing bone? And they say to them, what do you think this is? And the physicians, who also were men of faith, but also physicians. And they had the right to say, no, this is a a religious thing. This is out of our purview. They said, yeah, it's physical. And here's where we're going to go into uh, Western Civ 101. Uh What do you know about the humors? Well, uh, there's there's yellow bile. Oh my gosh, you know this. Blood and, I don't know, spit? Phlegm. Oh, phlegm. Well, phlegm is a different a I different know, thing in I those know. days. It's okay. A, it, yeah. So those are the four humors, right? Okay. Talk about talk about humoral theory. Well, so they have to be. They have this kind of vague, ill-defined because you know, hello, no science idea that they have to be in balance, mm-hmm. right? And that's why they one of the practices I think that grew out of this was bloodletting because you're trying to bring the humors back into balance. Correct. Yeah, you're okay. So you're not wrong. It is to do health was a, you were healthy when all of your humors were in balance. Right. You could be 
too you'd have too much blood and that blood would pool up well and it and blood is uh it's it uh causes extreme like passionate behavior right well we'll talk a little bit about that you're too heated yeah. right with all the blood well you're too heated if things build up Right, so because (laughs) they're not wrong. Okay, oh my God, Mark, calm down. All right, so you could have too much blood. I would have added a fifth humor, possibly. (laughs) That might have that might have slid into like the phlegm area, but anyway. um, Uh, Wow, that's a little insulting. I'm just saying, if any of them pulled up, that could cause that humor to rot, and the rotting is what caused the evil behavior. Oh, the the hot, hot. right? Okay, Okay, so, and I mean, I think that. some things could cause you to be too cold. I'm um, sure there are. But anyway, okay, so you're not wrong. Now, did you know, when do you think this theory kind of died out as a uh, practice? 1965. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me think. 18th century? No, 1850s. Wow. You 19th point, century people are morons. Right up until the point when they kind of really copped to germ theory. Okay, so let's talk about the four humors just briefly. Phlegm was associated with a phlegmatic nature, thought to be associated with reserved behavior. So phlegm was used to, as a general term to describe white or colorless secretions. Well, there you go. I guess I don't as, need the fifth humor. Such as pus, mucus, saliva, or sweat. Come on. Uh, One more. Phlegm was associated <laughs> with the brain, possibly mm. due to the color and consistency of brain tissue. Yeah. Okay, so the seasonal associations of phlegm, phlegm. is winter. winter due to the natural properties yeah, of, of being cold and wet. Yeah, and plus you get congestion and hock up more gross stuff yeah, during the winter. probably true. Fl- flu season. Yellow bile was associated with a choleric nature, ambitious, decisive, aggressive, and short-tempered. It was thought to be <laughs> fluid found within the gallbladder. However, it could also be found in excretions such as vomit or feces. That's where I keep mine. <laughs> All right. So the qualities for yellow bile are hot and dry with the natural association of summer and fire. It was believed that an excess of yellow bile would result in like emotional regularities, like being irrationally angry well, or behaving irrationally. First of all, I don't do anything irrationally. <laughs> I might be rationally angry. All right, keep going. I haven't found my I haven't found my humor yet. Black bile was associated with a melancholy nature. The word melancholy itself deriving from the Greek for black bile. Depression was attributed to excess or unnatural black bile secreted by the spleen. Cancer was also attributed to an excess of black bile concentrated in a specific area. The seasonal association of black bile was autumn as the cold and dry characteristics of the season reflect the nature of the So man. in a way, the humors are kind of a truncated zodiac. <laughs> a little bit. They are. Okay. They are. All right. I was born in October. Oh, okay. Black bile. Okay. <laughs> okay. I got gotcha. you. All right. So blood. So this is where we're going to end up our focus. Blood. Okay. So blood... Blah, blah, blah. In their mind was clearly the product of food digestion. I feel like they didn't really understand blood all that well. No, it was thought that the nutritional value of the blood was the source of energy for the body, as well as the sort soul. Of. Oh, blood God, no. was believed to consist of small proportional amounts of the other three humors, or it was also thought to be a combination of the four elements. So this meant that taking a blood sample would allow for the determination of the balance of the four humors in the body. Yeah, really? Because I guarantee you they took the blood and they just held it up to the light and they're like, 
Oh, yeah, you got the yellow bile. Yep. Okay, so it was associated with a sanguine nature, enthusiastic, active, and social. Um, So the seasonal association was spring because this was hot and wet. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, you're so gross. We should put this on on Gen X Temporaneous after dark. (laughs) (laughs) You're weird. It's well, it's the bile. All right, so you're sitting around in the Physicians Guild, and the 21 comes to you. Do I have one of those black? Floppy hats. Yeah. 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 And you've got like those like glass vials like and beakers and, and shit beakers and everything around you're just yeah. sitting around tasting graduated urine. cylinders yeah. <laughs> oh, wait wait tasting urine yeah that's how they could tell if you were diabetic you're sitting around and they come to you and they say what what do you think this is going to be so you're talking with all your doctor buddies and you take a look at what's happening and you say well this these people are enthusiastic, active, and very social. They're they're dancing it, around. It's, Must be too much blood, and right. it's making them hot blooded. Right. Check it and see. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a fever of one hundred and three. So Come you, on, baby. Do you do more than dance? There you go. They oh my god. Foreigner did that entire song about uh, choreo. Or whatever. Choreomania. Yeah, whatever. So then the doctors say, okay, you've got too much blood in your body. Oh. What do you think they well, say to Well, look, do? so in a sense, it's a little ironic that draining their blood will stop them from dancing. <laughs> <laughs> Not in the way that they think, but it'll definitely sap your energy and eventually kill you, which will cure the dancing problem. You won't be dancing anymore. <laughs> it's like, we have an idea. We're going to drain all your blood to stop you from dancing. Okay, so you're saying exactly what? They should have done yeah. based on their, practices their at the understanding time. understanding or non-understanding of science, yes. Okay, but that is not what they did. They went no. against their own, what they would normally do. These renegades. <laughs> I know. And they said, so like, it's a, it's like a series of weird things that happen. First, the 21, don't go to the church, which. I mean, that's, I, that's astonishing. Job one in, in the Middle Ages, yeah. They go to the physicians first. Then the physicians, knowing everything about humors, look and say, well, this is the This, this is, is the, the humor that we should be reducing. The treatment for this is to drain their blood, rest and draining of the blood. They said, well, you know what? Let's not do that. Yeah. Instead, let's force these bitches to dance. They oh, want to yes. dance. <laughs> so you want to dance? All right. That's like the theory, like... They used to have in like the fifties, like if your parents caught you smoking, they're like, "Here, smack, uh, smack, yeah, smoke eight packs of cigarettes right now." Yeah, sit down and smoke them until yeah. you puke. Yeah. Uh, or you, oh, you want to drink? Okay, here's eighteen beers. Go. Do another shot. Yeah. July twenty fifth, after they were given this this direction by the physicians, the twenty one demanded that the tanners and carpenter guilds open their halls. For the dance. For the dancers. All right. So they open up the tanners guild and the carpenters guild halls. That tells you something about the socioeconomic class of the people who are dancing. Poors. Some of them. They, a lot of them are, yep, poors. poors. Okay, yes. so this is another thing. Remember, no VIPs. Are, two are, things already now to remember. The people thought yeah. it was a religious thing. Two, a lot of the people is disproportionately non-VIP. Not, not all VIP. <laughs> it's always better when you are <laughs> VIP. Yeah, then you don't have to dance all the time. So poor. Was there a uh, gender component here? Uh, it was men, women, and children. Oh, okay. Uh, so okay, the twenty-one also dis- demanded that the outdoor grain market be emptied of stalls, and the dancers were led into that area. It was a walled area, and I mean, we got to like keep them. Castle. Yeah, we got to keep so them away from regular them. people. You have to make sure that you know they're, they're, they're confined, safe. and they're going to be made to dance. So they built like a stage 
in So it's there. kind of like a rave, right? Where everybody's on ecstasy or whatever, <laughs> oh, and you have to so like caretake them. That up. You have to caretake them and make <laughs> sure they get water and shit and give them a lollipop and all that shit. Okay. And then finally, there was an area kind of on the outskirts of the city where livestock was traded and that was cleared and a stage was built there. And they gave a stage? The last of the dancers were put into that area. So it was How isolated. many fucking dancers were there? <laughs> Up to 400 at its wow. peak. And so then the 21 hired pipers and drummers and all kinds of other musicians so they in fact did have a dj that's so and great they hired able-bodied strong men who would dance with these people now the current record for doing the thriller dance oh is thirteen thousand five hundred and ninety seven. wow so the strasborgians had a ways to go they did but yeah, maybe that was a form of mass hysteria. And that was in a penitentiary. Oh, jeez. <laughs> they made the prisoners all learn the thriller dance. Oh, Barry. <laughs> Why know? are they doing that to them? For, a re you know, to make the record. So normal city folk were worried and they kept clamoring for a spiritual intervention here. But the I, I mean, honestly, at this point, atheist me, I'm kind of clamoring for a spiritual intervention. But the 21 and the uh, and Like, elites, stop bleeding them. <laughs> They you didn't, know, yeah, they didn't bleed them. Yeah, that's, right. that's good. So they're, they're like, they weren't allowing any kind of exorcisms or anything like that. Now, many frauds took part in this because- Of course. People, like, a dance contest? <laughs> I'm super into it. I can do it. You know it. what? I Mark, would, you would have I would, been there. I would have like, I'm like, is there a prize? Because- <laughs> There was a prize and that's why the fraudsters took part. The, what are they doing? No, listen, like we want to discourage dancing, but if you do want to continue dancing, you might get a, like a pig or something. No, they would, the normal citizens thought, again, thought that this was some kind of curse from God. Right. And they thought, well, we've got to throw some money at this. And so they started giving coins and things to the dancers trying to- Nobody has ever given me coins for dancing. <laughs> well, no, in fact, you paid people to watch you dance. <laughs> or to let you dance. What? You tip them all the time. So all of this stuff made it much, much worse. Of course it did. So at least in the early August, at least 100 citizens were dancing and the 21 abandoned their initial forced dancing yeah, position because the dancing didn't work. They would try, you know, these people would be so exhausted. They'd start to faint and then they would be pulled up by these able-bodied guys and forced to keep. What dancing. is wrong with the able-bodied guys? <laughs> I don't know. Go do your fucking job, bro. They sure, are. Surely there's some leather you need to pee on or something, right? <laughs> so then go tan uh, something. So then the 21 abandoned their initial now, solution. We have to give them a little bit of credit here. They're trying to make some evidentiary-based decisions. They're like, okay, that super did not work <laughs> in not any working. way. This is not in working. fact, it made it 100 times worse. Okay, so here's where they start to do things that start to appease the crowd. So they expelled loose persons for a time loose persons? from the city. Like, Drunkards, ruffians, habitual pose. gamblers, prostitutes. Yeah. They were all forced outside of the city limits, which is a very scary thing to have happen to you in that day. Yeah, because there's because you have no resources at, at this very point. It's slim, and they'd have to go to try and find like housing in a like, nearby village. Do you even know how to make a fire? So exile was a terrible situation for anybody during that day and age. Okay, they passed laws stating that if guild members were seen dancing, they would receive a penalty and anybody hosting a dance would receive a 30 shilling pen penalty 
30 shillings. That's a lot of money at that time. Weddings and things like that were kind of, you know, you oh, couldn't dance at weddings. but they were super weddings. boring. But they had, you know, they gave some latitude like, a wink, little Wink, wink, yeah. nudge, Anyone struck with the dance plague had to be kept out of public view. Now, what if you were like a really good dancer? <laughs> like, would you get like a little bit of leeway? I wow. think at this point they would just be like, you're good. Do you get, think you people get, think that about me when, when like you're sitting at the table and you won't get up and I just get up and dance? They're like, mm, maybe he's having some kind of mass hysteria just in himself. What do you mean other people? I think that about oh, you. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Fair. Right. So, uh, so he, anybody struck with the dance plague had to be kept out of public view. So they were still putting them inside places because they they realized that people seeing this were getting agitated. That's right. But people knew it was happening. So yeah. they, they knew the it was happening. The contagion was still, it was still in there. effect. Uh, by August 12th, guilds were instructed that if any of their members had the plague, the guild had to pay for them to go to the shrine of St. Vitus. Oh, so now we're looking for some spiritual solutions. So they have- What is St. Vitus the saint patron saint of? Give it a gook. I know that he was a little boy who was submerged in a cauldron of lead, molten oh, lead. That's not great. Uh, by one of the emperors of Rome, and he emerged unscathed. You have a guess? Cooking? <laughs> no. Nervous disorders. Nervous disorders. Oh, okay. Now, well, if I'm a saint, right? I've lived my a- whole <laughs> life under God's strict commands. I possibly got burned at the stake. Well, he was submerged in molten yeah, lead. Yeah, exactly. I would want something a little cooler than nervous disorder. It's like, all right, St. Vitus, good job. I'm sorry you were killed horribly and suffered like like no other ever has. Uh, well, you are now patron saint of nervous disorders. <laughs> they are instructed uh, that if any of their members had the plague, the guilds, they had to pay for them to go to the shrine. But otherwise, the 21 was creating an opportunity for all of the dancers to be rounded up, put into wagons and driven to this town where the shrine existed. And then they had to go through this process of marching around the altar and being sprinkled with holy water and oil. And they were given red shoes. They put on their red shoes and danced. Wow, David Bowie. (laughs) That's great. Um, At its height, 15 people were dying a day due to this. This was in the the heat of the summer. And these people were dancing to exhaustion. Do you ever worry that I'm going to just die from dancing? Uh, no. By late August, early September, the mania began to subside. And that was it. That's the end. That's it. And that's kind of the, that's the last time that they have this. What happens is right down just a couple, you know, couple decades later is, is the uh, Protestant Reformation. And that clears up some of what possibly was contributing to... Because Protestants don't allow dancing. No, that's Uh. not it. All right, so early on, historians initially attributed the cause of all of this to ergot poisoning, which is a fungus that grows on on rye. Usually it gives you, like, diarrhea and gangrene. It gives you... Right, so it gives you diarrhea... And gangrene, now, and it causes paralysis. I can paralysis. see how that might make me dance a little bit Well, it, if I had the diarrhea. Yeah, it, it causes some jerky motions of your arms and legs at first, but then eventually you, you get gangrene. So initially they thought, well, these people were being poisoned by that. That's, not what, not, it, that. that's not what it yeah. was. From 522 years away. I'm going to say it's not that. <laughs> my, my professional medical diagnosis is it's not gangrene. It's, it's not. Now, nor do I suspect that you believe that it is a factor of demonic possession. I don't. Um, well, 
So I, when I think about that and I do my analysis, I start with the fact that demons don't exist. <laughs> so it's impossible for that to be the cause. Okay. There are no demons. There are no demons or devils to cause this. Correct. And then also... Except, you know, Wake Forest sports teams. I, and, I, <laughs> and Duke. Um, uh, the devils. Yeah. And I also think that you don't... Imagine that it is a divine retribution in any way. Oh, no, I think it's definitely that. <laughs> okay. No, of course it's not. First of all, how crazy a deity would you have to be say, you know what? I'm going to punish some people. I'm make them dance. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course not. You hit them with lightning, you'd be done with it, right? And you call it a day. Right. You're not going to make them dance. All right. So it, through time, the historians and sociologists and psychologists who have studied this have come to understand it as a social contagion, which means we catch things from people in the same way. And here's the easiest one to explain. If you see someone yawn, right? You yawn. So there is social contagion. We all know right. about yawning. We're social yawning beings. Right we mimic we, our surroundings. We catch blah, blah, blah. cooties from the people that we're around. Yeah. Moreover, I may catch cooties from you. And someone you I might. know that you don't know <laughs> you're lucky. will catch that same cooties, but you have never met that person. They happen to catch the same hysteria that you happen to be Whatever to. my neurosis is, they might catch my neurosis. Right. Okay. So groupthink is also a part of this because, yeah. of course, as you get into a group, as people start yeah, forming like, into a group. My God, if they're dancing... Maybe I need to dance. I'm going to dance. And then I'm dancing and then others will dance because I'm dancing. And then my dancing is supported because others around me are yeah, dancing. And I should I'm like, be I'm dancing. On, I'm yeah. on to something here, yeah, right? This is the thing to do. Then also psychological stressors. So all of the things we've talked about in the previous two episodes come to play here. Come, come So to, psychological stressors in my understanding kind of just kind of prepare the ground. It prepares right? the ground. Remember we talked about you are susceptible, Hussein. right? You are now receptive because of your stressors to all these other influences, because I don't know what does it break down the ego and, somehow well, and societal societal beliefs and mores. Yeah. All of that is preparing the ground. So you're going to weakens your individuality. Would you agree? Well, yes. I mean, when you're in a group and these people are very much in a group, right? Yeah. Even though they live in the city, that's a pretty big city. No. They're they're in groups. They yeah. are you know they are part of the city. They are they are Christians. They have deep religious faith. I do understand that their world to them was much more mysterious and magical than our world is. And everything had, was explained by an appeal to a higher power. There were mysteries. There certainly were mysteries, but m their world was as clear and understandable no. to them and, as and our world And that's how they explain was. mysteries, right? Is they seek a supernatural explanation. Right. In the same way we seek a scientific explanation. Right. So what could be some of the psychological stressors that you, that these people are facing? Well, they're, first of all, they're covered in shit all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Which they didn't know any better. So no. that, that was perfectly well, normal to them. And the plague was all a right. big one. So they had rolling famines and rolling famines led to a couple of things. They led to illness and plague. And it also was a, a result of poor harvests. Along with that came inflation. Oh. And so they are dealing with an inflationary crisis and right. a lot of financial woes. Your crops fail, you, you starve. You also don't have enough seed to plant for the next year. So you have to go and find seed. Who's holding on to the seed? 
the, the church. Local, yeah, that's right. <laughs> the church is holding onto the seat. So the church was one of the worst speculators at the time. Now, yeah. this is another thing that is a big situational stressor for these people. They are intensely religious, but they also have an intense distrust for the clergy. As well because, you should. Because what they were seeing the clergy do was break all all of their vows. They were oh, meant to absolutely. live lives of poverty. Nope, they were hoarding. Rich as fuck. They were hoarding grain. When grain was scarce, they would then release their grain at inflated prices to earn more sure. money. They were meant to be chased and living these. They were married, lives. having babies. They were having kids. The nuns were not. I mean, these weren't vocations for a lot of these people. Monasteries and convents were often repositories for younger sons That's and right. extraneous daughters. Really, none of those people had. <laughs> had any real vocation as a part of that there were lots of planned peasant revolts but against the clergy not necessarily yeah. against the the uh, merchant class well no I, I would definitely rebel against the clergy they don't have good swords so. <laughs> um another thing facing these people at the time was invasion by the turks so there's this Muslim yeah. threat right around the corner. Yeah. And again, very religious, devoutly religious. So this so is seen as a really big deal. Of course. And then finally, the onset of syphilis. Well, that's <laughs> always been a big stressor for people. <laughs> well, it was very deadly initially when of it course. came. Okay. So you don't only just have regular black death. You don't have just the plague. No, you your have dick can fall off. syphilis in your nose, which is probably yeah. more noticeable, load less maybe. I don't know. I, it'd be terrible. They're both pretty nose. important. They're probably I think. bad. Um, like if I had to choose one, I don't know what I would do. <laughs> I mean, I'm torn. <laughs> Come back literally. to me on that. Okay. So scientists and historians and sociologists and psychologists all kind of working together to better understand this situation have determined that it really is just this psychological disorder that was brought about by all of these things that we've just discussed, all of those different stressors that really stress their their minds. Okay. Is it just coincidental that they all happen to have that at the same time? Everybody, you would assume that everybody in that city in some way or another, was facing one or more of those stressors. Okay. Some less than others because, of course, if you were wealthy, you were less impacted by inflation and all of the, the starvation, although you still would have been. You still yeah. would have had a lighter table. But this is disproportionately affecting the poor. Once they saw a person getting it and maybe a couple of people getting it, this is where this, you know sort of the social contagion comes in. They get that feeling. They're anxious anyway. They see it. They hear it. It's been attributed to a curse from God. And so they think, well, I'm susceptible to that too. They believe that that could happen and they didn't know that could have, it could happen to them. And right. then it did happen to them. So there's no necessarily magical reason why he was dancing. It could have been pie eating or obsessive sketching. It could have <laughs> <laughs> It's like everybody's walking around with a pad. <laughs> it could have, right? It could have. But remember, we talked about how the symptoms will display in a way that makes sense to the mores of the time. Right. So all of those things kind of, they coalesce to create this perfect storm. And that's what the result were, were these dancing. Now, are these plagues. super rare or is we just know about this one because it was so large scale and kooky? Well, this one was particularly well documented. I mean, 300 it, years of it, dancing. Because it happened after the printing press. Yeah. And it 
was there there were a lot of chronicles written about it so it was it was well documented usually those are the things that you hear about but remember we talked about it there were like 15 or 16 different dancing plagues between yeah. the 10 hundreds and the 15 hundreds that's the craziest thing it like, is weird, but again... Figure your shit out after a couple of centuries, people. Again, these things are going to display themselves in a way that is recognizable to that the time in which it's happening. It fits in with the mores. So, for instance, in the medieval time, you could have had writhing and foaming at the mouth and weird voices. They could have done all of those things. Those are sort of religious tropes or demonic possession or witchcraft or mysticism. Uh, then as things get more secular, those same symptoms would have been, people would have gone, you're not possessed, you're, you're bonkers, yeah, you, you're, you've, you're you've lost it, you've gone, you've gone around the bend. So then the symptoms became things, later on, became things like paralysis and sleepwalking. There might have been a mass paralysis So you're thing. saying, in essence, let me see if I can paraphrase, that the symptoms will already be there... In the zeitgeist. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. So, whereas... Plus, it has to give them something, some kind of hormonal boost or, you know, reward system or something like that, right? I mean, if they're stressed, hey, dancing reduces stress a little bit up until the point where my feet fall off. Where your feet right. are bleeding, right? Yeah. So, so there is, again, a penitent thing that's associated with dancing there's also a religious thing that's associated with dancing there is a stress relief thing that's associated with dancing but remember the descriptions of these people were not like they're dancing with joy they were dancing into pain and suffering right. well uh, that's how it should be <laughs> well, that's you have to be serious about your dancing I mean, do i look I'm, like i'm having fun when i dance no, no. i'm serious you are serious so Originally, my hypothesis was that the stuff that we see happening in the will verse fandom is a hysterical reaction that is underpinned by COVID, yeah. by having been through COVID. I do believe that that is something that dr drives this, that this wouldn't have happened the same way that it did if there had been no COVID. But I don't know that I can make the case that it's a hysterical response. So instead, At least not the clinically defined massive yeah. clinic, you know, uh, hysterical response like the St. Vitus dancing. Dance, right. So what I do want to talk about, though, is that COVID is a big stressor of the magnitude of something like the plague. Not quite as big of a deal because no, obviously but, the mean, third of the world has not died. No, but I mean, a million people in the U.S. died. Right. That's so a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. And um, more importantly, I think, is the strict kind of rules that some of the states enacted here, at least in the United States. Certainly some of the, the stuff that was going on. And I, I have a friend in Spain who would write to me and say, this is absurd. Yeah. We, like They couldn't go jogging. They couldn't. Right? There was. Yeah. yeah. So they were really locked down. Um, and I think that that more than I mean, obviously, the fear of death is one thing, but also the lack of freedom and the, yeah, and, and the fact that your life, the structure of your life changed dra drastically with no notice, right? Mm -hmm. Now you're working from home, you know, a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Now you don't have a job, some people. Mm -hmm. Can't go out to restaurants. You can't, mm -hmm. you know, do so many things that they're just taking for granted. Taking for granted, you can't you, travel. You can't yeah. travel. You couldn't walk down grocery store aisles unless you went the unless correct, you went the correct direction. I still think you were about to fight that guy. I was that time. That uh, and then also the um, just the idea that you would go into the grocery store and 
all the toilet paper was gone. Yeah. It was, it was very, like hurricane-like shortages, It right? was really weird yeah. and also very aggravating and frustrating and also very, I would imagine, scary. It wasn't scary. I mean, it was weird that you couldn't get toilet paper. But, yeah. it, but I think at a certain point, it was a little bit scary because... You, not necessarily the toilet paper, but what's next? Like right. when are milk. we milk? I mean, or diapers, or, diapers, and yeah. formula were big items. Well, that, you know, were, and they were still recently just having issues with formula shortages. Yeah. Uh, the 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 ripple effect from COVID is still not over. Not even we, close. Not yeah. even close. And and a lot of it had to do with. Uh, so it's interesting because in my my industry. Supply chain is a big deal. Yeah. If you're in my industry, you understand supply chain. You understand how it works. Most people, though, never, I've never heard just normal people talking about supply chain. Right, now everyone's talking about supply because chain. Because the f- supply chain worked and there was always shit in the stores. Right. You could get, you know, avocados any time of the year yep. because we're America, mm-hmm. right? And now, I mean, there's still huge supply chain problems. I mean, I'm sure you know in your industry, but cars furniture mm-hmm. appliances all kinds of stuff is still very slow coming to us i mean you still you can get them but you gotta wait and we're not i mean that's a huge change from what we had before that's right so my question is this the reckoning is going to come and how is it going to come what are we going to see yeah how are we what i think that a couple of things happened after happened after plague so after yeah. after the black death there was a huge economic shift a lot of uh peasants not in all countries but peasantry certainly in england came to an end because they, they, they all died no no they didn't well many of them died but then many of them then but there was still land to be yeah. taken care of and so they were in demand there were there was sure. a labor shortage um I don't know that there's what's going on with labor right now. I mean, but the economy is certainly suffering. changing. Yeah. So you're getting, I mean, obviously we're experiencing inflation now that we haven't dealt with in 25, 30 years. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, be, when I, I was growing up, inflation was like 12%, mm-hmm. 10, 12% a mm-hmm. lot of years. Mm-hmm. But so inflation is a big thing. The shift in workplaces, right? A lot of jobs have moved to at home permanently or at least part of the time, but now employers are pushing back against that a little bit. So they're yanking people back into the offices when they may not want to. So there's that stress right there, right? Just the changing workplace, Mm -hmm. I will say. Uh, Just the general like distrust of the other has really ramped up, I think. And I mean, I think that has shown that it was violently expressed, obviously, on January 6th. But there's real, just real divisions caused by people's reaction to the pandemic. Vax, non-vax, right? CDC, anti-CDC. That has really divided people, divided families, communities, whatever. And so there is a lot of that stress still left over. Mm-hmm. So how do we how do we end up reacting to that? I don't know, probably not well. Maybe something like January 6th. This may be the way that the hysteria expresses itself right. in these kind of coming together of angry groups. Yeah. Which is, you know, again, we've been talking about groupthink and the crowd and now how it plays out in a hysterical way, but that is still very much a crowd situation as we mentioned right. before. And and I think to a degree, 
although I can't say 100% and I won't try to force it if I can't really comfortably prove it, that there's a hysterical reaction around with these women online. I think it is, it can, it's going to look a lot like that. It's yeah. going to look a lot. It's going to, some of it's going to be so It can be directly related to the pandemic, but it's a, some other action or expression that's going to erupt somewhere. Right. It's not necessarily going to be angry, although anger may be a part of it. Because what I see is just such, like it's not measured at all yeah. in the fandom. The, the It is not, it is, there are some people where it's a measured, they're sort of, they, they're fans and they, whatever. Yeah, they're casual, whatever. But these stands are, in this fandom are, are all in. Quite out of control in yeah, some not ways. rational angry a lot of times like <clears throat> when you're a fan of somebody that should almost never make you angry <laughs> right <laughs> like you should never now obviously they're gonna say well i'm not angry at the at will i'm angry at the other fans but still being in this fandom makes you angry it really often. it does and it's and i think it's it's close quarters in it and i picture it like separate anthills that are somewhat connected yeah you know like there's one big ant will that everybody kind of is looking to now you may be looking to him with hatred or you may be looking looking to him with absolute adoration but he's like the big guy right and these anthills are working separately and then all of a sudden one ant hill will get kicked over not necessarily by the other ant hill right just by something by sometimes by him he himself like for instance now he's gone into rehab for he says he thinks a month um for weed addiction and that has set things on fire oh absolutely and so we're seeing a lot of wild responses but i don't think again i don't think it's it's, it's not, not too, a mass hysteria. Not to that level It's yet. definitely a crowd that's gotten whipped up and get angry. And they try to right themselves by lashing out at the other. Yeah. And that makes them feel better. And it brings, I think it's very much outrage, right? Yeah. Like, so th- there's something feeling to feel that feels good in outrage. And maybe that's plus, the hysteria. Plus they're bonding. They bond over that. Yeah. Right. They bond over lashing out towards people perceived as the enemy. Well, uh, but that is true. So like if we take the lashing out, because what I'm trying to do is f- in my mind, I'm trying to think of what would be something that people would recognize as it makes sense sort of within this culture, the way that the culture is, but an extreme expression of it. So, so like the dancing was an extreme expression right. of either penitent dancing or um, religious dancing. In this case, maybe maybe it's outrage, maybe extreme outrage, because we have been an outraged, we've been growing as an outraged culture. Yeah. So maybe it will be just mass outrage. Because you've seen that kind of bubble up. So what other things are people outraged about? They're outraged about, uh, there's a lot of white crisis, like white, white existential yeah. crisis. Well, the, the, it's the kind of the whole replacement theory. Mm-hmm. P- white racist, I should be clear, racist white Americans mm-hmm. feel that they're being replaced somehow. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Because And so they're angry at people they think could replace them. And that's a pretty long list of people. Obviously, anybody who's a different color than them. Yeah. Any LGBTQ. Well, anybody who's different, who's yeah. not what they who's would consider normal. White well, Christian. What, yeah. yeah. What, what, you know, so, um, so I think that it, it maybe, maybe that's where, we, that's where it will go is towards like an outrage. Uh, you, you'll see people being more and more outraged about various things and the rhetoric 
will just ramp up and up and up and up. Because, yeah. I mean, we're seeing also, it feels like in the United States, increased mass shootings. Yep. Uh, I think stemming largely from a same place. I mean, not all of them, but many of them are in that same group we just described. Yeah. Angry white people. Right. And white males for yeah. the most part. Right? right. The the access to guns in this country just means that that anger plus that the fact that there's more than one gun in this country for every single human being that lives here <laughs> makes it that much more likely that one of those guys is going to go off the rails. And we've seen that uh, multiple, multiple times. I mean, dozens of times just this year. What about, And then we're seeing from the government. It's interesting because, of course, now we have a very activist. And I think that this is not... Um, not an overstatement to say that generally there is a push to the right. I'm seeing a lot of agitation for a pushback to not everyone, but but certainly there is a, a vocal, probably a vocal minority that is pushing for that, not just in the United States, but I mean, we see it happening too overseas. Sure. The rise of nationalism. Nationalism and populism. So then what I'm also seeing are governments, when they can, are trying to enact moral legislation much in the same way as the 21 yeah. in Strasbourg. You know, once they figured, well, it's not a medical thing, we can't right. stop the dancing. Well, we'll pass a bunch of moral laws. Right. So, so I see, you know, I see that happening. Sure, like uh, abortion bans, mm -hmm. uh, birth control bans. Mm -hmm. uh, I have to feel like the women are, women are being specifically targeted here uh for some well reason. we're always the first yeah. but we are the gateway to other at-risk groups my curiosity is is what how will it manifest right. not not where will it manifest right. but how will it manifest and it's not going to be not people aren't going to just go out and start dancing no and people aren't we may have we may have increased um incidences of like post-traumatic stress right and then I think it's the outrage. I'm going to stay. I'm going to say it's the outrage. I think it's going to be increased outbursts. Yeah. Well, expressing what those people who are expressing it feel is righteous anger. And so then circling back to the fandom, what is true is that it is full on outrage almost oh, yeah. at all times yeah. on both sides. And it takes almost nothing to trigger a, an, an outrage, you know, an outrage filled reaction. Absolutely. Right? And it and it happens again on both sides of the fandom. It does. It happens with the troll side, it happens with the love army side. Both sides act outraged at certain things. Yeah. And feel justified. Yeah. And you How couldn't dare you? You And everybody has their list, right? You were mean to Will. You dared to mention the fact that we're we want to spank his younger brother. Okay, right, 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 right. Okay, so that, that's actually what I, let's let's look at those two instances. Yeah. Okay. So on the Love Army side, anything that is seen as critical of Will is a moment to be out. Outraged. That right. is a moment to fight back and stand up for Will right. in the face of this God terrible knows, thing. Even though he'll never see that <laughs> comment, we have to protect him. We have to protect him at all costs. And that outrage is performed at fever pitch. Oh, yes. All right. And then on the troll side recently, in Will's absence, his younger brother, who is 15, about to turn 16, went on a live and said to all you lovely ladies, I yeah. am here for you. I am going to hold down the fort while right. Will is gone. He'd want me to do this. And I'm here for you. And I, you guys, were, we're a family. Him saying this oh, to, yeah. the, to the fans. And the fans were really excited that he was doing this. Now, the troll side looked at that because as, you know, as the live event on TikTok went on, he was getting gifts 
financial gifts. And then he said, he said he was, you know, I'll put my PayPal back up if you think I should. And my birthday is coming up. You wow. guys, I mean, literally was saying yeah, all yeah. of this. Okay. So this is his, this is his young brother. Love Army side was like, yay. A lot of them, not all of them, a lot of them on the troll side, pretty unanimously. Full, full it clutching was of the absolute pearls. outrage because how dare they follow this 15 almost 16 year old boy how dare someone named stifler's mom post something in the live saying that she would you know birthday uh, spanking birthday spankings no (laughs) no No, ma'am no ma'am no (laughs) ma'am immediately i feel like you didn't get the right message from that movie (laughs) no and then um and others saying things to him like we need you I need you, and I'll, I'll be glad when Will comes back, but I'll still need you, too. Yeah. Uh, so the troll side, full outrage of course. over the fact that this is a 15-year-old boy, almost 16, yeah. who is who is doing this. It's not even allowed on TikTok. Right. But here we are. The, so there was there's terrible outrage now on both sides about different things. It's equal. It's, it's outrage. Both sides are doing it. There's this performative nature. And oh, I think 100%. that it's, and I think that it's not that people aren't feeling it. It's gone beyond now. You just, you have a feeling and you kind of sit with it and go, God, I'm really frustrated. You know, the, like the government, I don't like the government now. And the outliers would yeah. be the ones who would rise up. Oh now, my God. Now I don't like how has, this Wendy's is being run. <laughs> <laughs> now everybody who has a computer is yeah. performing outrage online. Absolutely. There's, they're probably more apt because of course at that point they belong to a group and that emboldens them as we learned in previous episodes to do things more impulsively. And that might mean they jump off of the computer keyboard into real life and now they're marauding into the Capitol, right? So I think that there is, it's almost going to be easier for this social contagion, whatever it is and whenever it comes and reaches its fever pitch of of hysteria, I think it'll be much easier because you have uh, internet and you have, you know, contact with people that you wouldn't normally have. You can build a group more easily and act on it. And you are absolutely correct about the outrage being the almost universal reaction to anything that they don't like from anyone they don't like. Mm-hmm. But there is also glee. Again, I'm going to go right back to it. I'm just going to say it's outrage, right? Like there's outrage and that's why you're so gleeful when you find something that you can be outraged about because yeah. outrage is the that's the weapon in weapon this war, in right? This, it was, and it's not even the it's it's the weapon in the war. Like, who can have more outrage? Is it the fuel for the fire? Be, Probably more the fuel for the fire. Yeah, but but no, the outrage is the performance, right? Yeah. That's the thing that they're doing. The outrage right. is the dance, right? The other stuff where they go looking is the rationale, yeah, for the dance. Right, I need to dance. So I need, let's, I need I gotta to find dance. Some I gotta music. find a reason to dance. That's right. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen. You don't need a reason. <laughs> Come on, babies. <laughs> Let's go. I really like my my hypothesis now about outrage. Yeah. That the rise in outrage culture. So like Karen's, but extra. Outrage is the thing to do. Well, okay, and let's say this. If we put it into the context of crowd think and group think, for things that I really feel passionate about, okay, I am a, I'm appalled that Roe has been overturned. Of course. And I am trying to work towards a goal of how fixing that, helping yeah. to do something to take part in that and be an activist in that cause, all right? So I do have outrage about that. Of course, And I'm going to express that in real life. I've made some phone calls and things like that. So I'm, I'm not sure what exactly I'll be doing, but 
all that I can do right now is perform my outrage online. And yep. I do that by putting on, you know, a certain profile photo and I Absolutely. retweet things that I come across and I engage with people who are sharing my outrage. And I see everybody, you know, and it happened with Ukraine too. Absolutely. Everybody had Ukraine flags. Well, those that war's still going on. It sure is. Those flags are gone and now they're replaced with like my mine with 1973. So there's a way that we are performing outrage with one another that is becoming, you can see the contagion happening. You see the the group, some some people in the group are doing it. You're also out where you also have those feelings. That ground has been prepared. Right. You have those feelings and you know you want to do something. And then you see somebody doing that. Oh, I'll do that too. And what I wonder is how many of those people who then perform that outrage online and really get those feelings out online, then are they less active in real life? The, first of all, the percentage of people who actually leave their house and go out and protest has always been minute. I think some people will congratulate themselves for online activism. Like, Hey, I changed my profile picture, right? Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I did everything I could do, but I do think that online participation in the discussions and, you know, the symbols and everything can make it more likely rather than less likely that you would then also go out and if that you had an opportunity and go out and protest or do whatever. Yep. So I, I don't think it's going to keep people off the streets necessarily. I just think it, in fact, I think it could tend to the opposite, give those movements yeah. more momentum. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that's interesting. Um, so we'll have to just wait and see yeah. and we will, you know, it'll be hard. It's hard to see it when history is happening right now around you. It's hard, hard to keep that in perspective. Of course. But what we've been going through in this country over the last, you know, three years, four years, really since 2016. Never trust a history book less than a year old. <laughs> <laughs> is, um, is, has been extreme. And I, and yeah. I think that we are going to, we're going to see some... See some shit. Okay, well, um, let's wrap up here and invite people to join us on social media. I am on Twitter at Christina Gen X. Mark is at Mark Eats Peach. We have a Gen X Temporaneous podcast page on Twitter, and that is at Extemporaneous2. And we have a Facebook, Gen X Temporaneous. That's right. So uh, we look forward to hearing from you on any or all of those platforms. Exactly. All right. Mark, bye. Peace out, Cub Scouts. Wow. <laughs> He's laughing at his own joke. I haven't even told it yet. <laughs> I can't. What's the joke? I don't know what's the funniest part with the lead up. <laughs> I just couldn't get it out. That's my fault. Oh, my stomach hurts already. Okay. Okay. So, if, I, if I can cause Christina pain during the podcast, then that's you a did. successful. My stomach aches. Okay. <laughs>